and welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and today I'm joined by staff reporters Jack Harris, Mason Kern, and as always, site publisher Chris Cartman. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing all right, Rob. Thanks for asking. Had a nice day at practice. We were outside, so uh, I loved that. Yeah, and Chris was bold. Didn't even bring a jacket. It's still cold. It's like still in the 40s, 50s maybe. And windy. It was in the 50s. 50 it was windy. In the 40s. 58 degrees with a nice. There is a nice, nice wind chill. It's a nice warm sun. I mean, not. I was with Chris in my t-shirt. Jack is a native Arizonan. Right, the only one of us four. So he, I got my yeah. He my little zip up sweatshirt thing that's his, just so comfortable. His blood is thinner than the rest. I mean, there are some people that had a sweatshirt and a and a jacket on top of that. I, yeah. I thought it was a little ridiculous. That might be too much. Yeah. Okay, we're not talking about jackets. We're talking about basketball, right? ASU basketball, they defeated Stanford and Cal this past week. Two games at home. ASU has now won three games in a row, if you go all the way back to ASU's win against Utah on the road in Salt Lake City. And just starting off with how ASU did this week, this was something we all predicted is that they were going to sweep this week. But I think it's impressive, and and I want to know your guys' thoughts on how you guys think they played in these two games. Before the Cal game, I remember tweeting that ASU is an especially enigmatic team relative to everybody else in the conference, and you just never know what you're going to get on any given day. Sometimes you don't even know what you're going to get from one half to the next, as we saw against Cal. ASU losing to one of the worst Pac-12 teams I've ever seen. Bobby Hurley was probably screaming obscenities at them at halftime, and then they came out and they made their first eight shots after making only seven shots in, in the whole first half. Uh, against Stanford, of course, ASU really should have won that game easily because uh, Stanford didn't have Casey Akpal, who's probably the best player in the league, and then Stanford also shot the ball poorly. I-, I didn't see really anything from ASU in this game that changed my mind about the overall direction, direction or nature of this team. What do you guys think about that? Um, yeah, I definitely agree. I think um, these both of these games – definitely probably a must win in terms of tournament hopes and expectations heading into March um, for ASU. And the fact that they were able to to win both games by double digits, I mean, maybe it wasn't their best performance, but at the same time they were consistent enough down the stretch to get it done. Um, And like Chris said, I mean, against Stanford, who – beat ASU when ASU was on the road. Um, I mean, then they come to Tempe, don't have Casey Akpala. That's a game where ASU probably should win by as much as they did, 80-62, 18-point win. Um, and then Cal just looks sluggish. I think ASU has played down to its opponents um, at, at times this year. I mean, again, losing to Washington State earlier this year at home. Um, but, but like Chris said, able to get it done in the second half. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't an all-too-impressive performance for ASU, but at the same time, they were able to win both games by double digits. So that was something to take away. When I saw that Akpala wasn't going to play and the line was like nine points or something, I almost put out like a all-points bulletin to ASU fans to bet <laughs> on uh, ASU to cover in that game. They ended up covering pretty easily. Yeah, and... Uh... I think we're past the point with this team uh, where you're expecting them to to hit some next level. I think I, I this is just kind of what they are now, which is a that's team that's not that, what ASU fans want to hear, Jack. Well, I mean, but I mean, the, the what what you've seen uh, from last season's team and especially this season's team is they can play well in spurts, and there's some games where they're really dialed in, but more often than not, they're either. I'm not sure if it's a lack of focus or just a lack of urgency, 
But at the beginning of that Cal game, Bobby Hurley said it afterward, they weren't really going through offensive possessions. They were just kind of going down the court, not passing the ball, trying to put up a shot. I think they only had three assists on those seven field goals they made in the first half. And then in the second half, it's all different. It's it's kicking the ball out to the corner with a skip pass. It's getting it down low from a nice pass uh, from Zylan Cheatham. And for whatever reason, they can click into high gear at some times, but I think expecting them to do it for the majority of, of games is – I, I think we're beyond the point where, where that's something that, that you should be looking for from the team. If they're going to win, it's going to be because they they can have these big spurts at some points in games and play well enough when they're not going off to, to keep themselves in it. They've been able to do it well enough against a weak Pac-12. They've won eight of their last 11 games now, which is good. But even in those eight wins, they're only playing well for, for small portions of the games, it feels like. Do you think that that would change in a tournament format? Like they go to Vegas and well, or not because you, because you are what you are by that point in the season? I, I don't see it changing, um, especially because it's not a team that especially rely like it, it can't just rely on on good shooting I think that would be probably right. the one thing that was maybe a little bit different than yeah. last year's team is that they would go through periods of games where they would shoot the ball well this team you know what is it that they do especially that they would be able to do especially well one game after another after another even rebounding they've started getting out rebounded or at least close to out rebounded in a lot of these recent games. So yeah, Cal had five offensive yeah, rebounds. Yeah, exactly. They got they got out minutes. rebounded in the in the Washington State game. They got out rebounded uh, in the uh, trying to look at it now at the in the Colorado game that they lost. So again, it's just very there. There's so much skill on the floor, but it just doesn't all come together. There's too there's too many stretches where they're just not coming together. Even in the Stanford game, there were lulls in that. And at the end of the Colorado game was another example where it's just like, okay, they're tied with Colorado with seven minutes to go, and then any semblance of an organized offense kind of goes by the wayside. So I would not – this is the kind of team to me that maybe they could win a game or two in the Pac-12 tournament just because they're they're going to be better and more talented than, than most of the teams they face there. That's why I still think they're going to win two of these last three regular season games. But when you get into the NCAA tournament, I don't see them. I mean, maybe they can win a game, but I don't see this being a team that, that has much of a realistic chance of getting to the second weekend. Um, I would, I would kind of second that point. I mean, to Chris's question, um, this team, even when they're playing on an emotional night, senior day, and you're playing the worst team in the Pac-12, the fact that you still go into the to half losing, I mean, that just kind of shows that when you're playing an emotional tournament game, whether that be Pac-12 or if they get to the NCAA tournament, one of those type of games, it. I mean, they're playing on one of the most emotional days where they're going to lose Island Sheet and they're going to lose Daquan Lake, and they they still don't put up a great first half. They're losing at, at halftime. And to Jack's point, again, I mean, the assists are, are key with this team because when they have below a certain number, they, they have gone and lost games. And to only have three going into that first half against Cal, they completely flipped the script in that second half and, and came back and, and ended up winning the game, obviously. So I just think that in terms of tournaments, the, the emotions run high in those games, and they weren't able in the first half against Calder really to play to a higher level, so I don't know if that would translate over very well. So, so here's my sort of counterpoint, especially to what Jack was saying. It, it's hard to see maybe in, at any one point in time, but in the aggregate, it sort of seems like 
Lou Dort is starting to play some of his, his better basketball, you know, after going through a slump earlier in the Pac-12. And then you have Rob Edwards, who is waking up and sort of getting into a better space, it seems like. And Remy Martin has had some weeks in recent, in the last month, that have been actually quite good. And we know what you're going to get from Zylan Cheatham. You know, he's not going to probably ever be a high, you know, reliable scorer, but you're going to get a lot of rebounding and defense and overall team continuity out of him. So it's so that does that at all change the calculus of whether or not they can put all that sort of together in the same place and time when they also know hey, this is when our, our season is really on the line. <laughs> I don't... That's a I, no, probably. Yeah, I don't think so. I be You can have individual guys playing well, like in the Cal game. Rob Edwards had a pretty good game. Lou Dort had a good game. Zylan Cheatham had a good game. Daquan Lake had a good game. There wasn't anybody who really you looked at and said, well, they, they weren't in it tonight, especially of the, the starters or the rotation guys. And yet, they're trailing at the half. They played 10 really good minutes at the start of the second half, but even after those 10 minutes, Cal outscored them over the final eight or nine minutes of the game, I yeah. think it was. So it's about more than just having individual players starting to heat up. I think the the biggest the biggest one is what you mentioned with Rob Edwards. I think he can add – it's almost like a safety blanket from, from a scoring standpoint because I think he's the guy who's uh, who has the most consistent ability to go out and get 10 to 15 points a night because – He's a better shooter than Lou Dort, and he can attack in, in different ways than, Lou, and than, than Dort can, and he's just a, an, an older player who seems to have a better sense about those things, and now that he's getting healthy, he's showing that. Uh, but I still don't – I think, if anything, it just it just raises the floor of how poorly they can play and not necessarily raise the ceiling of how consistently good they can be as you start to get to, to postseason play. See, I think that where the, the problems are even more so are with their defensive consistency and their, their, their attention to detail and their focus level. That's where you see, like, even when guys, three or four of their better offensive players are, are playing, playing well, other teams are still staying with them because guys are content to be able to be looking good on, on offense and they're not putting together a full game on the defensive side in terms of their overall focus and intensity. So where I think that it's going to be a challenge for them is even if you have a night where a few of them are hot all kind of together, I really sort of doubt that they're also going to dominate the glass and dominate opponents on the ball and dominate with their team defense and and their overall continuity. And so, so it just seems like it's still too many things, too many sort of – somewhat disconnected things that they have to put together to really totally max out what they're capable of with this type of a, a team, given what we've seen to this yeah. point. And, and I should say, I still look at these these last two years, especially if they end up making the tournament this season, which I lean towards them doing, I still look at these last two years as a, as a big step forward for a program that hasn't been this competitive in the Pac-12 in a while, even oh, if they're not. I'm excited to respond to this. Yeah, I mean, so even if they're not, I think there's two different arguments you need to have. One is, are they getting the most out of the players that, that they have? And I think that answer is clear, clearly no. But over the last couple seasons, they've they've definitely, even as they've been inconsistent, they have definitely 
move the program forward just in terms of their ability to compete in the Pac-12, their ability to, even though they're not maximizing what they're getting out of the team, their ability to be in a spot to, to even think about an at-large bid, um, their ability to, in a, in a year where the Pac-12 is not good, to be able to at least separate themselves somewhat from the fray where it looks like they're going to finish second or third in the conference and they're not down there with Oregon or UCLA or some other schools. So I think that needs to be taken into account too. But when you're talking about when you when you see these spurts, it's got to be frustrating for fans to see what they are capable of. But just know, I think at this point, you're just it, you're you're probably not going to see them really hit that that level for a long stretch of time and be able to you know potentially win a Pac-12 tournament or get to a Sweet 16 or do some of the things like that. Even if they have the talent to maybe do those things, it just seems so unlikely that they're, that they're going to be able to put it all together when it matters. See, I just don't really see it that way because Arizona's as as down talent wise as it has been in decades probably, and USC and UCLA are basically playing AAU basketball right now. They're going to probably get better coached uh, in the in the short to to medium term. Oregon had an injury to its best player and is is playing poorly relative to what we've seen historically there. Uh, and ASU's talent level is the best or as good as roughly as we've seen from ASU in in three decades. So if that's the case, uh, ASU relative to its peers and relative to itself being in a really great place talent wise that needs to translate into more than 11 and 7 or 12 and 6 in the regular season in my opinion because they're not Bobby Hurley's not going to get he may have equivalent talent and let's just face it Zylan Cheatham's gone Lou Dort is, is at best maybe 50-50 to return. They could lose both of those guys. That would be their two best defenders. That would be two of their top three scorers. It would be two of their top three rebounders for their position relative. Is Cheatham a top three scorer on the team now? Yes. So so what I'm saying is are you going to really, when you talk about you know what you've done this year at establishing you know where you're at as a program, are you going to be better next year when you maybe have to replace those guys I, I, if, if Dort goes, I don't think they're going to be better necessarily. You know, maybe, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I think I need to see more from Kamani Lawrence and Tayshawn Cherry, uh, even Remy Martin from, from a, from a consistency overall standpoint. And, and look, Arizona, there's a lot of turmoil going on there and who knows what's going to happen with Sean Miller and everything. But right now, Arizona and USC have the number one and number two recruiting classes in the country. They have dominant recruiting classes coming in. Their talent level relative to ASU's talent level is going to actually get better. And so the question then becomes is, are you going to be able to not have letdowns like losing at home to Washington State, Utah, Princeton, uh, and maximize what you have uh, in terms of the opportunity I, I don't know, and I and I just think that this team really, really should have been a 13-5 and five or better type of a team when you look at all of the factors uh, at play here. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a team that we're talking about, are they going to be in the tournament or not? It should be a team of, what do you think that this team is, a four seed, a five seed, a six seed? Something like that is a, is a, is a more... Like is it? That's really what what we should be talking about right now, given all of right. the variables at play. And it's interesting to me because when you look at the teams, when when you look at ASU's record overall, nineteen and eight, 
thirteen and three at home. I think if you would have told ASU ahead of the season you're going to be thirteen and three at home, I think you probably take that. I don't think that you no. think that you're going to lose. You don't. No, because I've seen teams that were less talented be that good or better at home under Herb Sendak. Uh, so, what do you think was realistic expectations for this team at home? Like sixteen and zero, or fifteen and one, something like that? Yeah, fifteen and one or something. You know, I mean, what? So. Wow. Two losses to Princeton and Washington State right. at home. That what, really hurts. They were favored. Those definitely They're hurt. favored in every single game that they played at home except Kansas. So maybe I think they could have lost to Kansas at home. Washington is maybe another one. So maybe at worst, you lose two games, I think, at home, is my, in my opinion. That's uh, at worst? With this team and their talent, if you what I'm saying gotcha. is if okay. you what I'm saying is if you're achieving to your potential. Then you think about two losses max. That makes sense. Okay, four and four on the road though. That's obviously where they've struggled. That's where Bobby Hurley's teams have struggled consistently at struggled, ASU, yeah. and that leads us into the final. You should, you should three be able to get. Games. You should. You should with this team. You should be able to get one or more road sweeps over the two-year period of last year. And I don't this think year. anybody's disagreeing with you. On when that the point. Pac-12 yeah, is really I, down, yeah, I don't like think you should be able to. They, they went to. They went to. They went to Cal and Stanford each of the last two years. Got a split. Right, and this year, I, LA, I think this LA's year, down. You get a split, like LA's down, and it seems like ASU's playing well that weekend, and they're playing well all the way until the end of the game. I just don't, I just don't look at this team and think and think that they maximize their potential. Yeah, I think that's fair. And over these final three regular season games, it's going to be very important what they do as they either they're going to either end with a positive record on the road or or drift the opposite way no now let's just say that they win the next three games right well then that that sort of 22 and 8 finish that'd be 7 and 4 I would on take the road that. 13 and 3 yeah, that'd home. be maybe a game or two behind what i think was possible for them we all we all wasn't be, your preseason expectation like 2021 20, wins my my prediction but my prediction was accounting for the type of, of of challenges that i thought they would have which are what's been demonstrated i didn't think that they were going to be mm-hmm. a team that that max itself out yeah so wait wait what do you guys uh, i'll give you some credit because that's that's i i think that exactly what you're saying has ended up pretty much the case yeah i mean i didn't know they were going to lose to princeton and washington state (laughs) i thought maybe be a little bit better team they lose to at home but but so what do you guys think as far as just the last three games and maybe the pac-12 tournament thoughts and whether or not ASU makes the NCAA tournament at this point in time. We'll just kind of put a button on it. Uh, so I think I've been pretty uh, consistent with my, my road <laughs> game picks the last couple of weeks. Uh, I Very still, bullish. Jack's I the most s- bullish I of the group. I still think uh, – give, give us something great. I still think that they're going to win two of these last three on the road. I was hoping he was going to say like three. No, 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 I don't think they're going to win three. Wait, so is that going to – is that if you were going to – So here's the way – so I think they win Arizona two of the last. That would be, I think, the most. If they're going to win two, that'd be the most likely is splitting the Oregon schools, winning at Arizona, and then probably winning your first game in the Pac-12 tournament, losing in the semifinal. Um, I think as long as, as long as they win two of the last three in the regular season and don't take a really bad loss in the Pac-12 tournament. You could maybe even lose in the quarterfinal, depending on who you play. But especially if they get to the semifinal and, and and they lose to Washington or one of the Oregon schools or Arizona or anybody really in the top hundred or so of the net, which I think is it would be a quad two loss, it would um, be, and on a neutral floor, mm-hmm. then I think they'll get in the tournament and maybe even not have to go to Dayton. 
Um, if I they feel like Bobby Early's team just should go to Dayton. It feels like a right of passage <laughs> yeah. even after only one year. Such a Dayton type season. Really yeah, is. It, it is. Really it is. is. Um, I think, but a lot of the other team, like this, is such a weird season on the bubble where you have so many uh, mid-major teams that are going to factor in there. That I think for ASU, they might get. ASU might get a more benefit of the doubt just because it has the big wins it does. And, and even though the Pac-12 is down, it's still considered better than the Southern Conference or the the, the, the Mountain West or whatever other conferences are going to vie for two teams. Uh, so that that's, would be my prediction. Two, two of these next three, they would win, probably win the quarterfinal game, lose to – Losing the semifinal because that's they don't really win more than two or three <laughs> at a time in a row this season, um, and and squeak into the tournament. Maybe if they get a good matchup in the first round, could steal a game. But again, I just I don't I don't really see the path there for them to, to get to the Sweet Sixteen. Mason, real quick, what do you think is the most likely outcome? It's kind of echoing a lot of the same uh, sentiments that Jack had. I do think they get two um, over these next three. Um, and I do think they split at Oregon. Um, whether or not, I mean, I think uh, Oregon is tabbed as their hardest game. Um, I, I, I mean, it's gonna depending on what the outcome of their first game is going to be, whether they win at Oregon or lose at Oregon. I mean, I think that's going to really affect how they play in the next one. Um, so if they win at Oregon, I think they have a much better chance at beating Oregon State, um, and that that would lead me to possibly think that they might be able to get three wins. But I mean, going to Arizona is a a, a pretty tough matchup, especially on the road. Um, but yeah, so I think I think two wins is probably the most likely outcome in my opinion. And then they this team just in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, I'm not confident in in how they did. They lost to Colorado in the first round last year, um, and and pretty much a disappointment. Um, and then I, I just think whatever matchup they get probably won't be very favorable, no matter who it is, just because this team has not proven a lot in in tournament play. But I do think they they make it to the NCAA tournament probably in Dayton, though. That would probably be my most likely route. I think the same. I I think ASU will win one of the next three games only. Um, Wait, didn't you just say two? No, but I, I agree about the Dayton part. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I think ASU is going to probably win one of the next three, but then win the first round of the Pac-12 tournament and then lose after that. And that puts them to where they're either one of the few teams that squeak past Dayton or they're in the Dayton zone. And I think they'll be like a 10 or 11, maybe even, a you know, whatever. The Dayton zone. I, I think the same thing as Chris, and I think a lot of people are just acting like ASU is definitely a more talented and more well-rounded team than Arizona, which that, that might be true, but it's still going to be a rivalry game. It's still going to be in Arizona, in Tucson. Very difficult places to yeah, play. So Not I, just Arizona. Oregon is a, very, is a difficult place to play. Those are well-coached teams. Right. I, I think a lot of these games are a you little know. bit more challenging than – it seems like people are speaking of. In, in they haven't. Of, they haven't swept a, a right. road series, so the odds are they're going to lose one of the Oregon games. And, I and then, w- and then Arizona is a fifty fifty game. I wouldn't be shocked if they got swept against the Oregon schools. Which, I don't think it's which, happen. ha- which happened last year at this time? Yes, I they, will say they could uh, get. They could, and then they could maybe beat Arizona. So what, what if they? This is. I, I don't think any of us think this will happen. But what if they lost the remaining three games? They will not make the tournament. Yeah, they'd have to win the Pac twelve tournament. To, to get in in that scenario which is highly unlikely but you think i think the most likely outcome what, what i think is the same as chris that they'll win one of the next three games that they'll win one game in the pac-12 tournament 
I wonder if that if that gets you that, into the tournament or if you're in Dayton there. The most important thing actually is they is is that they don't have some catastrophe happen where they don't get a bye in the Pac-12 tournament. So they need to win one of the next three at least to make sure that they get a bye. Two would would guarantee second place. Mm-hmm. If they can be a second or third seed, they play at night on Thursday. So they don't play at Wednesday. There'll be like six or seven teams knocked out of the thing mm-hmm. before they even play, right? And that's you know that's good because last year they were the first team knocked out. They've had a history of, of right. losing on the first day. If you can just get some good mojo and then maybe you win your first game, you play on Friday, there's two teams left, and everybody feels good about the overall thing, especially if you can win two of the next three. But you know that's yeah. going to be tough. I, I think if they lose two of the next three, um, which is very possible, um, they just can't take a bad, bad Pac-12 tournament loss because uh, if you do that, I, that – I don't think you get into the tournament there. I'm curious to see what happens. Now we're going to transition over to football, though. Herm Edwards talking about the efficiency and what he wants to see out of practice, specifically in regard to ASU's Thursday spring practice, which is not going to be a scrimmage, as uh, Edwards made sure to note today. Chris, what can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so... Look, we're going to have a lot more thoughts about this on our premium podcast after the Thursday practice, just kind of wrapping up everything that's that we've seen and going through it all in, in a lot of extensive details. And we've done a lot of that on the Devil's Sanctuary. I've, I've written uh, evaluations on almost all the players on the team, very detailed. But uh, it's important for fans to not expect to go out there and see a scrimmage. Uh, it's going to be more of a situational practice, thud mode, which is not tackling. There will be a V drill, or uh, a lot of fans will maybe might know it as a W drill or Oklahoma drill. Uh, that's going to be the most physical uh, of the session. It's really more about just getting a sense of what these quarterbacks look like in this type of a setting in the stadium, and then assignment soundness and, and, and guys doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, Herm Edwards has been very... Um, efficient with the way that they've had practices they haven't been out there a really long time he said look i just want to get our business taken care of two hours is plenty long for us on a daily basis it keeps players focused anything longer than that i'm going to get my keys and head to my car because i'm out of here um and um but i think that they have done a pretty good job overall of getting their work in and the quarterbacks have looked probably better than i expected overall uh, their defense, I think, is trending in the right direction. Um, they've had too many drops, and I think the receivers are a little bit of a question mark, especially when you lose Nikhil Harry. Um, give me some of your just kind of quick you know, takeaways and maybe what you're looking for in this uh, final practice. I, I, like you, Chris, I'm going to be interested to see uh, if, if the quarterbacks perform relative to the same as they've been doing in spring practices in more of a formal setting with a bigger crowd and if that affects any of the guys um, because that'll be important to see especially with some of these true freshman guys beyond that um, you know it's not going to be too different from from just about any other practice this spring I don't think Um, I'll be interested to see defensively uh, if they keep rotating guys the same way if Tyler Wiley gets some some more first team snaps at, at Tillman safety. Uh, if you know how the cornerback rotation is set up, especially beyond the starters and Chase Lucas and, and Kobe Williams, but those are all kind of smaller, granular things. Um, I don't think it's going to be. We're not going to get any grand takeaways 
uh, from from Thursday. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see again. I think with some of these young quarterbacks and even Dylan Sterling Cole, who who hasn't played much in his career, uh, just to see how they handle a, a bigger stage like that when they know just about everybody in there is going to be watching what they do. Yeah, I'm definitely interested as well to just kind of see what the how the quarterbacks react to. I mean, the change in setting. Um, I mean, when we were talking to the quarterbacks. Uh, today after practice, um, Tuesday as we're recording this, Dylan Sterling Cole said, hey, this is not the spring I would have loved to have. I wish I was a little bit more precise on some of my throws and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how maybe he changes in, in the stadium on Thursday and see if, if that affects his play. But mm-hmm. I'm also interested to see Jaden Daniels, see him in, in kind of a, a bigger stage as well. Um, we've seen him uh, use the pocket a lot. I would like to see like his, his dual threat ability. Um, and then the defense as a whole as well. Um, like Chris said, they're trending in the right direction. Um, been doing a lot of uh, training at different positions. So, so seeing if the defense is just more sound as a whole, just, just now that they know the other positions, how they, they react playing in their normal positions and see, just see those changes as well. That's what I'm looking out for most is see how the defense actually responds, because I think a lot of people are just going to be focused on the quarterbacks. And that is a very important position, very important group to be focused on come Thursday. But I'm curious how Danny Gonzalez defense is going to play against them. What are we going to see out of the secondary? It seems like the secondary could be one of the big strengths of this team uh, coming into the regular season against Kent State, you know, in six months. I'm just curious to see what we see from that, specifically also with the defensive line. How are you going to run that when you have, you know, three, four guys really that can play at that spot? So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, We're going to have a full extensive premium edition, though, of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Focus almost all on the team's uh, Thursday spring practice and just what we've seen in in the spring uh, at football. We'll also have um, some news and some updates about what we see from basketball in the upcoming week and before ASU basketball takes on Arizona in the Territorial Cup. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. For staff reporters Jack Harris and Mason Kern, as well as site publisher Chris Cartman, I'm your host Rob Warner saying so long and thank you for tuning in.